This is an RNZ podcast. That's what you get when you delay, you frustrate, you won't engage and you won't get on with it. And you build a cycleway or cycle lane across the Auckland Harbour Bridge. You won't do it. I'm talking about the decision of more than 1,000 cyclists, Auckland's new anarchists, who didn't let the law, a rickety gate and a few police officers, stop them from riding over the Auckland Harbour Bridge uh, at the weekend. I support them. That was Duncan Garner telling his AM show listeners last Monday that he backed the bikers on the bridge who fought the law and won, sort of, the day before. Organisers said that forcing their way onto the Auckland Harbour Bridge was not actually the purpose of their protest, but if part of the plan was to attract media attention, well, that certainly worked. People lose their lives for change, albeit apartheid is on a slightly different scale to scaling the Harbour Bridge by bike. Now, what South Africa had to do with it, Duncan Garner didn't say, though he wasn't the only one invoking apartheid-era divisions. In his newsletter and podcast, The Kaka, commentator Bernard Hickey said that cycling in 2021 was a bit like the tour in 1981. What appears to be a, you know, not political issue um, turns into something of a culture war that defines a generation. I think we're going to see that with cycleways. And uh, we're already seeing the battle lines forming and it will be very interesting to see what the Climate Commission comes up with next week with its final recommendations. And that's something else we'll look at here on Media Watch next week. But Bernard Hickey reckoned that, like the Springbok tour, everyone seems to be on one side or the other of the urban roads conflict today, including the media, as we'll hear. Now, one former Prime Minister, John Key, famously claimed he couldn't remember where he stood on the Springbok tour when he was a 21-year-old university student. And on Monday, Duncan Garner tried to pin down the current Prime Minister on whether she was with the cyclists or against them. Yeah, well, look, you know, here, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with what we need to achieve. Like, we need to be able to connect uh, the North Shore and, you know, the Auckland CBD through other modes of transport that aren't just buses and cars. And over on News Talk ZB at the same time, Mike Hosking also seemed in favour. It'd be fabulous to have a bike lane on a bridge. I'd love a bike lane on a bridge and a walking lane. Bit of a surprise there as Mike Hosking has railed against cycling in the city in the past as the voice of the motorist, which probably helped his show get the sponsor. The Mike Hosking Breakfast with the new Land Rover Discovery. News Talk ZB. But what Mike Hosking was really saying on Monday was cycling's nice to have, but only if it doesn't crowd out other cars. A scooter lane and uh, free parking, and like a parking building on the bridge and free parking for the first 20 minutes and all of that sort of stuff, but we're not having it. And it's not happening, so if it's not happening, don't stand there on a Sunday wasting everybody's time. Thing is, though, those cyclists in Auckland last Sunday didn't just stand there, they barrelled past the police and onto the bridge, and listeners of the Mike Hosking Breakfast on ZB didn't like that. John says, How dare the pedal pushers bully their opinions on the public, innocently going about their day? The absolute arrogance and self-righteousness is mind-blowing. Who the hell do they think they are? They're belligerent lawbreakers. Once again, the motoring public is being made to bow to these holier-than-thou-lycra jockeys. And there was plenty more where that came from on the Mike Hosking Breakfast. Well, you thought the same thing I did. Mike, large size, cyclists, no wonder they're hated. Why do they feel so entitled? I do a lot of driving and cyclists along with buses are the bane of my life. All those cyclists should have been arrested yesterday. Mike Hosking went on to compare them to the mongrel mob, much like his wife and ZB colleague Kate Hawksby on her show before dawn that same day. Actually, one arrest, we should be grateful. That's more than, I guess, the mongrel mob got for blocking roads in Hawke's Bay for that tonguey. So, I mean, at least on the Harbour Bridge, we did wind up with one arrest. What an absolute shambles. Motorists yet again being treated like second-class citizens.
But when Kerry McIver got on the air after those two on ZB that day, it was personal. She told ZB listeners she was caught in the chaos during her own Sunday drive to the North Shore to look for a house to buy. Though at first, she loved seeing the families and the kids out on their bikes. They were having a lovely time and you have to learn somehow and what better time to do it on the Sunday morning. But she didn't realise then that they were part of a protest that would slow her down even more. Like, there weren't just little family groups out. There were, well, what seemed like thousands of the hooers coming from everywhere. If you've seen the mice in Australia, you know, the hordes of mice sweeping through the farms, if you can imagine mice in lycra and on bikes, that's what they looked like. Rats in lycra, Kerry McIver called them in her opinion piece for ZB's website later, and on the air the insults kept coming. No difference between these law-breaking, entitled, demanding gits and the law-breaking, entitled gits on motorbikes. What difference is there between those tits and the tits on motorcycles? Other than the fact that the motorcyclists actually pay to be on the road. They want to do it right now. They will have their way, and the rest of us can just bloody well put up with it. And having labelled hundreds of her fellow Aucklanders gits, tits, hooers, rats and freeloaders, Kerry McIver also condemned them as rich, snobby hypocrites. Sitting around Auckland's leafy suburbs, those with a median house price of around about $3 million, they would have sipped their Chardonnay or their Pinot Noir, or for the younger ones, kombucha, and thrilled to the excitement of retelling the story of the day they took over the Harbour Bridge as they pushed the gourmet sausages on the barbecue at the beach pad in Omaha. Oh, they won't have cycled to the beach pad in Omaha. Because how would they get the toys up there and the faro hampers? Now that's pretty sustained abuse and stereotyping of a single group of people. But was this really Kerry McIver's sincerely held view, or just an overwrought effort to rack up talkback callers on an obviously divisive issue? Well, in his online newsletter, More Than a Fielding, David Slack, who was one of the MCs at the pro-bike protest on Sunday, reckoned that Kerry McIver might actually have been having a stab at satire. However... To make it work, you can't just describe the ghastly company you keep and their surroundings and ascribe it all to a bunch of strangers. Touché. But David Slack's main point was that Kerry McIver was right there last Sunday and she could have walked amongst the crowd and found out what they were really all about rather than just form drive-by opinions about them from behind the wheel. And from that distance, Kerry McIver also ridiculed any environmental motivation that the cyclists on Sunday might have had. Spout your smug, sanctimonious tosh about how, you know, you are single-handedly saving the planet by biking to and from work, are we saving the planet? No. You're just demanding something right now and you do not care who's inconvenienced while you make your point. But part of their premise is that more people on bikes will pretty quickly speed up jaunts over the bridge for everybody, including drivers wanting to buy a new home on the North Shore or whatever. But while they were portrayed on talk radio as an anarchic mob, the Get Across group is a properly organised trust which was formed after the Skypath campaign which grew out of a similar bike event back in 2009. And what they want is not the world, and now, as Kerry McIver said, but a three-month trial on the bridge next summer. However, those who dialled into Kerry McIver on Monday followed the opinion leader. I wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. Um, these are guys that are not true cyclists, they go out on a Sunday, 
they all drive BMWs and Range Rovers and they ride on a Sunday with their very expensive bikes, with their very expensive Lycra. And I guess because they're not allowed to rebel because of their jobs, this is their only way of their little rebellion. Well, like that guy, the perceived lawlessness was the trigger for many ZB callers. And while the ZB hosts on the air painted a pretty vivid picture of that, the pictures on TV also reinforced it. Passion turned to aggression, and despite the police's best efforts, this small line of defence stood no chance against the massive cyclists desperate to bike the bridge. TVNZ News also showed the Greens' Julianne Genta telling the cyclists that they were on the right side of history, and then News Hub zeroed in on the blood that was spilt. One person was arrested, and they appear to have grazed a knee in the process. Meanwhile, Talk Radio reckoned more cyclists should have been arrested. As TVNZ News reported on Tuesday, some community leaders in the city thought the same. With just one arrest, some see a double standard. When you're handling poorer people out south, you get treated one way by the police. And when you're managing people who are wealthy and in Lycra, you've got a completely different approach by by the police. But if the police won't make the cyclists pay, ZB's listeners wanted to make them pay to use the roads. Kate, at what point did the cyclists start paying to use the roads, just like everybody else? Um, Kate, who do they think they are? And some more on Julianne Genta. And so did ZB host Heather Duplessy-Allen. All of a sudden I'm starting to figure this thing in my brain where we start to toll the cyclists. Really, really big price, really big price to go on the bridge, the bridge that they build for themselves. Anyway, listen. And over on RNZ's checkpoint the same day, one of Lisa Owen's listeners actually set a price point. Boy, has it got you people texting us at the rate of knots. This person says, how about charging cyclists 15 bucks a crossing? OK. The appetite for tolling the cyclists, as well as troubling them, is pretty strong on talk radio, it seems. As it happens, Media Watch's Hayden Donnell was there last Sunday, though he wasn't on a bike. He was observing the rally as part of an upcoming story all about urban planning and how it affects the way we all live. The police efforts to defend that off-ramp were probably a little bit of theatre. For one thing, there was already a traffic management plan in place because authorities had been aware of this protest that was going to take place. Uh, Waka Kotahi had already closed two lanes because they thought that maybe the cyclists were going to head over. The impression that I got was despite those images, which I think created probably a bit of a mistaken impression, or were there just to give people the impression that authorities had tried to stop this. Uh, Despite that, I think that authorities were pretty aware that this was going to happen and had sort of tacitly or unofficially approved it. So on the matter of lane closures there, as we heard on talk radio, a lot of people were annoyed that the occupation of those lanes that held people up, this was sort of irresponsible and unfair. Would those lanes have been closed anyway if there was a police barrier up at the time? Waka Kotahi had put out a traffic alert the day before quietly and they'd closed two lanes themselves. So... It wasn't actually the cyclists that were doing it, it was the traffic authorities that were obviously prepared for cyclists to go over the bridge in this way because they'd done it before in 2009. There was a kind of awareness that this was going to happen. There's been criticism from people like Simon Wilson in the Herald saying, you know, Waka Kotahi went as far as closing these two lanes, but then they didn't try and alleviate the stress on the traffic. You can move the lanes on the bridge over and they could have moved it so it was three lanes going northbound and three lanes going southbound. They didn't do that. So there was only two lanes going northbound and four lanes going southbound uh, and that got more people angry. 
Well, you mentioned earlier, Hayden, that there wasn't necessarily an you know, atmosphere of you know, menace or aggression there, which is possibly the images people saw on television. But this is an issue that makes a lot of people angry. Yeah, it's been really weird to see the tone of the coverage, uh, the tone of the coverage of the event and the way that the cyclists there have been betrayed. Because uh, what I experienced, it wasn't aggressive at all. It was a whole bunch of families. There was another family with their stroller going over the bridge with me. I only went over because... It had seemed like it had been opened up by the authorities and I could nick home to the North Shore. So the rage in general, I find a little bit, I mean, I understand it. It's been a wedge issue for a long time, but logically I don't understand it because really cyclists are the best thing out there for motorists. If you think about it, if you just design streets for more cars, then more people are going to drive. That's going to create more traffic, the traffic that you hate, and that's going to get you stuck in congestion. So really, the more cyclists that motorists have uh, hooning down the side of the street, (laughs) the more open their streets are actually going to be because every one of those cyclists is, of course, a car off the road. So, okay, so we've dealt with the lawlessness, the lane closures, uh, now the lycra. Um, another common theme seemed to be uh, that this was a very middle-class crowd. Was it an overly uh, lycra-clad or, I mean, identifiably non-diverse group of people that was um, there at Erin Park? Kerry McIver actually identified it pretty correctly. She said, oh, I saw families out with their children, and I saw all these types of people, and it was quite nice before she decided that they were rats teeming out of every side street. It wasn't just lycra-clad, middle-aged men like uh, sipping their lattes in their Herne Bay villas like some of the critics imagined, but it wasn't, I don't think, a diverse reflection of all of Auckland. It did seem reasonably middle-class. It seemed reasonably Pākehā, though not universally Pākehā. And I think that probably reflects the people who have time to advocate for cycling and campaign for cycling probably have a bit of spare time on their hands and a bit of resources up their sleeve. And that's really actually, though, what that protest is trying to change, that they want to make cycling safer and more universal and accessible for more people. Hayden Donnell, who witnessed the Liberate the Lane bike protest on the Auckland Harbour Bridge last Sunday. But it wasn't all one-way traffic in the media. The NZME stable housing news talk ZB is also home to The Herald. And earlier this month, Herald senior writer Simon Wilson wrote this under the headline, Cycling the Auckland Harbour Bridge is a climate issue. Cycling on the bridge challenges two important ideas, that the bridge is full and that everyone will keep driving. Come on, Minister, trial it now. Let's find out. Simon Wilson even urged Herald readers to bring a bike to last Sunday's Liberator Lane rally in that article, which was published under the banner of Covering Climate Now because the Herald's one of 250 media outlets from around the world that committed to climate change coverage two years ago. Stablemate News Talk ZB, however, did not. Now, after all the noise about liberating the lane and lawlessness on the bridge last Sunday, the story moved on in a big way on Friday when Transport Minister Michael Wood unveiled huge changes to the multi-billion dollar transport plan, including this. In the 21st century, it's time that Aucklanders are able to walk or cycle across their own harbour. And so as a part of this package, we are confirming that we will be building a new walking and cycling bridge across the harbour. Reaction was immediate from the pro-cycle lobby and from the transport industry. On RNZ's 9 to noon, the aptly named Chris Carr, from one of New Zealand's oldest transport firms, didn't think a near-billion-dollar bridge for bikes and walkers would ease overall transport problems much, but he did say... Cycleways uh, particularly need to be separated from uh, from heavy traffic and certainly uh, you know, that's something that nobody would, I, I think, disagree with. 
Well, there is one person. Look at the downtown cycleway if you're in Auckland. Look at that pink downtown cycleway. Spot me a cyclist on it. It's, it's embarrassing. Mike Hosking on News Talk ZB on Friday morning there, talking to Auckland Chamber of Commerce Chief Michael Barnett. It'll never get built. Even if it did, it won't be 785. It'll be well in excess of a billion. It'll be well in excess of five years. That would be your understanding too, I would assume, wouldn't it? And some cycling advocates also thought a new bridge was overkill. And the Herald Simon Wilson told RNZ's Jesse Mulligan he had reservations too. Um, I um, am... am I was going to say thrilled, but I'm not thrilled. Um, I have, I'm in two minds about this, and it, it looks as if it might be one of those projects that um, uh, some people like, lots of people hate, lots of people like, and lots of people hate, um, <laughs> and, and maybe just doesn't happen. Before that government announcement on Friday, Bernard Hickey, who had likened the cycling debate to the 81 tour, made this observation about the bigger picture. When you look ahead in the next 10 or 20 years, one of the big battles is going to be between suburban car-driving commuters and people living closer to the centre of the major cities who want to use those roads and motorways between their homes and work and school for cycling and for walking in a safe way. And if so, the media will have to get a lot better at reporting this complicated conflict over our streets, with people on each side asking, which side are you on?